Good morning. I am Derek Slabel, as Amos said. I don't, I don't know that uh, I need a whole lot of introduction. Uh, I think as I look out, I know most of you here. Um, I, I wish I had a, a fun title I could give myself, because I feel like everybody else who stands up here says, you know, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so, and here's why I'm important, and here's why you should listen to me. Um, so I was running through a couple of them. Um, hi, I'm Derek Slabaugh, and uh, one time I want to swim meet on Saipan. <laughs> kind of neat, kind of neat, okay. Uh, hi, my name is Derek Slabaugh, and I'm a retail manager. That's <laughs> kind of... That's, that's not that exciting. Um, I settled on this one because it, it sounds the most highfalutin. Um, hi, my name is Derek Slabo, and I'm here this morning as the chairman of the board of directors from the Factory Ministries. Uh, yeah, see, I, I thought, yeah. Um, people get excited and rose petals fall from the ceiling and whatnot. Um, but on that note, quickly, I, I did want to do just one, one bit of factory business since I'm standing here, and I don't get this audience very often, to say thank you to Grace Point for, for what you do for this community. Um, I know Tim talks about it a lot. I know we hear about this Together initiative a lot. Uh, as someone else who, who's not Tim, because sometimes if you hear the same person say it over and over again, it, it falls on deaf ears. As someone else who, who doesn't get to say it much, thank you to this church for the way you support this community through the Together initiative, which, which helps the fact. I mean, the reality is I frankly don't care who gets credit. Um, I just want to see people care about each other. That's why I love this church. That's why I love this community. Um, and so I just want to say thank you. There are some amazing things happening in this community, and, and this church body is a gigantic part of that. Um, segue into the fact that there's even more ways that you can get involved. There's a summer enrichment program coming up uh, where we are helping the school facilitate some summer school programs. We are still in desperate need of people to sign up for that. Um, we have spaces available. If, if you, frankly, I don't care. I don't care who you, we, we just need people who care, and um, we want you to come out. We need leaders uh, for some craft type things. I am not crafty. I know there are many people who are, so if you are, you can go online, Together Initiative website, look at the Summer Richmond Program. It's very simple. I'm not very tech savvy, and um, I was able to find my way on there and actually log myself in. So if you have any available time coming up this summer, um, please check that out. Uh, we need those spots filled up quickly. So again, thank you for what you've done already uh, for the Factory Through the Together initiative, but also here's a charge. Um, there's still room to do more. Uh, the work is really just, just now getting started. Um, what's your perspective? That's, that's where we are this morning. Perspective is a funny word. It, you know, perspective is illustrated in, in a gajillion different kinds of ways. One of my favorites is the fact that if I were to go to my children right now and give them a dollar, their brains would explode. They would be so excited because they found a dollar, and to them, a dollar is a huge deal. They, they don't have an allowance right now, but if I gave them a dollar, they would be so excited. In fact, sometimes just to be a super nice dad, I'll actually give them 56 cents, because 56 cents is cooler than a dollar, especially if I give them a whole bunch of different kinds of coins. I can give them one quarter and some nickels and some pennies. And they look at it and they think, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for all of this money, Dad. And it's 56 cents. That's their perspective. You know, they see that and they have no idea how much it actually is. But that's fun. It's fun for them. So as I've gotten older, I remember my first job as, as an adult, I made nine bucks an hour. And I was thrilled. I, I thought that this was it. You know, I, I didn't know that I would ever need a pay increase because I figured by the time you made nine bucks an hour, 
things just kind of leveled off and you'd be able to afford whatever you needed because that was big money at the time. I think I was 17 or 18. Ah, my family's grown. My perspective has changed. Don't know we could swing it on nine bucks an hour anymore without me never not working. Um, but that's perspective. Perspective has a way of, of looking at something, looking at the color of my shirt, looking at the wall or whatever, and we can each see things through a little bit of a different lens. Um, I brought my water bottle up here because I've been trying to drink more water. I know there's lots of healthy people in this entire church and especially in this general region over here. Um, and so I've been trying to drink more water. Um, so feel free, by the way, to give me feedback here. I feel like if I drink a gallon of water a day, like that's good, right? Isn't that like that's a, that's a start or whatever? So, but that's a gallon of water. So in a perspective of drinking, one gallon would be a, a, a nice start. But so my kids have a kiddie pool in the backyard, and that takes approximately 22 gallons of water to fill up. Um, so suddenly now my one gallon that I'm drinking pales in comparison to the 22 gallons. Well, we haven't even talked about an Olympic-sized swimming pool, which has roughly around 660,000 gallons of water in it. Well, that's, that's an entirely different perspective that looks very different. So the fact that we're talking about gallons of water, I mean, we really have to understand what perspective we're coming from. So we're going to do a little bit of a test here this morning, and, and just so you know, um, this morning is going to be interactive. There are going to be times when, and people in the back, you can tell me, can I walk pretty far out this way? Is something weird going to happen? Perfect. Great. Um, I would like to engage. I would like response. If you've ever been around me at all, I like to reach out and be able to touch people and whatnot and, and kind of know what's going on for you. There, please don't feel like there's an imaginary plexiglass window right here. I'm not a zoo animal. You can say things to me. I, I will not dance. Well, maybe if we're here long enough, I will dance. Um, but what we're going to be talking about this morning is this idea. Let's see if I can make this thing work. Tap. Woo. All right. God doesn't always offer a change in circumstance, but he always offers a change in perspective. Um, Tim came to me a few weeks back and presented this opportunity to me. He's like, hey, would you mind sharing, you know, when I'm away? And every time he does, I never know where to begin. I'm like, oh, what I, I don't plan, you know, 10 weeks out. I don't have sermon chunks at times like that. And so I just start with what's going on in my own life. Um, and this is what's going on in my own life right now. Uh, if I can be very real with you, there have been some bigger struggles in my life more recently than maybe ever. Um, and I've arrived at some places that have been very desperate, very painful, and what keeps swirling around in my head is, Derek, I, I didn't always offer you that the circumstance was going to be easy, but I can help you have a better perspective. And I'm not there yet. I'm not standing up here this morning because I graduated from perspective school and they let me stand up here and now share things with you. I'm in the midst of this. This is where I am. And so as much as I'm up here to share with you where I've been today, this, this prep for me, this working on this has just hit me in the chest because it makes me realize and put things in perspective that you might have come this far, but I gotta, you, know, you still got a ways to go, Derek. Uh, just because you're standing up in front of me, people doesn't mean you've arrived anywhere. Uh, so I'm really here just to kind of journey this with you. And as an illustration for perspective, a little object lesson. Okay, what do we see on the screen right now? We see a frog, okay? So everybody kind of sees it. You look up there, there's a frog. Now, what if I was to change your perspective a little bit? Where'd the frog go? What do you see now? It's a horse. I didn't, I didn't do anything except for I changed your perspective. Let's see if I can make it go backwards. It's back. That's a frog. Okay, one more time. 
as a horse. It's neat, isn't it? I have to thank my secretary for that one. She found that for me. Um, but perspective changes entirely what you see. If you go back to the first picture, clearly, and I, I mean, I've even seen this a few times before, and I looked at the frog as we were putting this together, and I could not see the horse. I couldn't. I tried several times to see the horse. I could not see the horse, but I promise you the horse is there. There's a frog, so you can tilt your head, change your perspective. Oh, there it is. Okay, there's a frog. And there's a horse. There it is. Oops. Ah, we'll get there. Um, so perspective is what matters. And as much as we want to, as we're going through these tough things in life, we want so badly to change the actual circumstance. We are a society that is built out of immediate response. We have microwaves, we have cell phones, we have things that give us instant gratification, things that can change our circumstance, if you will, very quickly. Um, but there are realities in life that happen, and I know that they hit for each of you. You might have a son or daughter right now that you are just struggling connecting with. They're struggling in life. They're at that age where they can't wait to rebel against everything that's in front of them. That's tough. Been there. You know what that's like. I want badly to change that circumstance immediately. <laughs> I can't. I've tried really, really hard. You might be in a relationship right now where you want very badly for your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, who, uh, person you're sitting at, you want them to love you a certain kind of way. And you're convinced if I do this, then they'll do that. That's wanting your circumstance to change. Well, it doesn't necessarily happen. And, and, and the, the scary thing that happens then as this pattern repeats itself over and over again, you begin crying out to God. This was me. God, I don't get it. I've been doing what you've been asking me to do. In my head, anyhow. I've been trying to do the right things. Why is my circumstance not changing? And that's where this truth came in again. I, got it. I didn't offer to change your circumstances. I offered to give you a better perspective. Now, like so many things in life, it's so much easier said than done. But the cool thing is, is that God doesn't lead us somewhere just to drop us off on a street corner. He doesn't drive us someplace where we're feeling some way and we're, and we're searching for something just to, to let us out, to fend for ourselves. He gives us scripture. He gives us his word. He gives us, you know, if you will, a map to how we can change our perspective. So this morning, and you can turn with me. Um, I got my Bible. You can get yours out. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to go. So it's a pretty familiar section of Scripture. If you've been in church for, uh, for a while, you've probably heard of this section. Uh, the header at the top of your Bible is the Beatitudes. By the way, I didn't look up the, the number in the red book the Red Bible that's in front of you, but it's in Matthew. If you can't find it, uh, cheat off somebody beside you. It's allowed. Um, so we're in, we're in Matthew chapter 5, and it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, he, he has gone out. He has just recently uh, found his disciples, and people are following him. You know, there's a lot of things that are happening uh, I imagine if we were in this area of the world and somebody was going around healing people, uh, somebody was going around doing tons of miracles, uh, there would be a following as well. And so chapter 5 finds us in this section called the Beatitudes, and I'm going to read it first and then we'll go back through and break it down. But understand kind of the mental 
image of what's going on here. Uh, in this time, as opposed to right now, um, where I'm standing and y'all are sitting, uh, back in the day, there was the opposite. You know, so you guys would stand up and I would sit down. I don't know why they did it that way. This is kind of how they did it. But that was what's happening on the mountainside this day. And so all these people have come around because this guy Jesus is doing some pretty impressive things in the area. And they want to be close to him. And this is where he begins teaching them. And so the word beatitude basically means supreme blessing. Uh, it's, sometimes we overuse this word blessing. You know, we, uh, we were blessed to have rain yesterday. It's not an overuse of it. We were blessed with rain. Rain is good. I'm, I'm glad we have it. This kind of blessing is different from a one-time deal. If I give you 10 bucks, I've blessed you with $10. This is a blessing that doesn't really stop. Uh, if you look at this word, it's, it's this supreme blessing, this eternal blessing, this way that says, I'm just going to be blessed all the time. Uh, and that is pretty awesome stuff. And that, I believe, is where we all want to get to. And that's where Jesus is speaking to these people, and he starts off there, giving them a list of things that says, you want to be a disciple? Here are some of the supreme blessings that could be coming your way. But we're looking for a couple things as we're going to read through this. I want you to notice how many physical circumstantial changes are being spoken about there. A if-then statement, if you will. If you do this, then money will come your way. If you do this, then physical health will come your way. If you do... Quick disclaimer, I am not here to tell you that God cannot change your circumstance. He absolutely can't. I was without a job one time, and I prayed for money, and I will tell you that later, $500 showed up at my door. True story. It's what happened. God can change your circumstance. I'm just here to tell you that more often than not, circumstances stay the same, and your perspective is what changes. And truthfully, then what happens is, no matter what the circumstances are doing, this perspective that you gained gives you a better handle of what's happening around you anyhow. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking to see if Jesus speaks about those kinds of changes, physical, circumstantial changes. And then we're going to go back through, and we're going to talk about each one of these. And we're going to put together a little list that says, how can we get there? How can we get to a change of perspective? So I'm starting in chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Circumstantial change? I mean, maybe a little bit. I don't see a section in here that says financial gain is necessarily around the corner if you do this. I don't see a section in here that says uh, you're never going to get sick. Grandpa's never going to get ill. Boyfriend, girlfriend's never going to break up with you. 
I, frankly, I'd love to see that stuff because I, you know, I would jump on board pretty quickly. But one of the things that I've recognized is, is as much as I want to give people a key that will unlock a brand new set of circumstances for them, I can't. The best I can do is do what God's done for me and give them a new perspective. I had a student one time who we were at the factory one night and, and we got to talking and, and he came to me and said, Derek, he said, I'm ready. I want God in my life. You know, hallelujah, that's, that's what we're there for. That's, that's the thing that we're pushing for. And so I prayed with him and we talked about life and we talked about what he wanted to see. And, and as he was getting ready, we were in a room by ourselves, everybody else was out there. As he was getting ready to walk out, I was hit with this frightening reality. Outside that door, nothing had changed for him. His mom still wanted nothing to do with him. He still came from a broken home. He was still being abused. Still struggled with drug use. Like, so here I am, trying to offer what I feel like is the greatest gift anybody can give. And he's got to walk back out that door and his circumstance hasn't changed at all. How do I explain that to him? That's frightening. But that's, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's offering a change in this, this perspective. So what I've done is I've separated these out into two per slide or so. We're going to kind of go through each one, and, and I'd like to engage a little bit with you about them and kind of get a, uh, a feel for, for what you think of each of them. So as you can see, they're, they're each broken into kind of two sections. Blessed are these people, and then here's what comes along with it. So we're going to go through each one and kind of look at those sections. And then we're also going to go and, and kind of think a good teaching tool that we can use sometimes to think of the opposite. So we can go through and then say, well, what would the opposite look like? So let's start at the top there. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Shout it out. Poor in spirit. What, what do you think of? What does that mean to be poor in spirit? I can't be the only person who has an idea. Yes? Without Christ. Any other thoughts? Poor in spirit. Depressed? I do believe that I would feel that way. Any other thoughts? Poor in spirit? Tell you what, I am looking forward to that second part, that kingdom of heaven part, that's where I'm trying to get to. That's what I would like to be able to offer to somebody who comes to me and says, Derek, what's the most important part of my life? Right? Like, help me know God. How can I get there? Well, I tell you what, I want to get them to the kingdom of heaven too. So how do I do it? Well, blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, so, so poor in spirit. Let's, let's take it kind of word by word. Poor, I think we, we kind of understand that. And, 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 and then poor in spirit. Again, we, we are people who have become very self-sustained. We believe that we can accomplish things all on our own. I mean, some of it, frankly, is a byproduct of the culture that we live in right here. This is one of the most hardworking communities I have ever been in in my life. That's a good trait. We, you know, we, we shouldn't shy away from that. But frankly, I don't care how hard you work, you're not going to get there by yourself. And sometimes our hard work ethic masks what's really going on for us because we feel like we can get there on our own. For myself, it happened about three years ago. I was working a job that demanded approximately 100 hours a week from me, and I had signed up for it knowing that. And <laughs> it seems so foolish now, but I said, yep, I'll do it. And I got about 
eight months into it, and, and in the back of a restaurant, in a walk-in cooler, I fell to my knees, and I said, God, I can't do it. That was me being poor in spirit. Now, again, I haven't conquered this. I, I haven't arrived at a place where this doesn't crop up anymore, but I'm telling you, that's what poor in spirit, this admission that, God, I can't do it on my own. I need you desperately. And we need to have that kind of attitude on a daily basis. Poor in spirit, because why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's where it starts. Next one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Go for it. Mourn, like, why? Any reason? Why, why, would, why would the mourn be? Uh, blessed are those who mourn? Explain that to me. Anybody? Sorry. I'm not going to keep going because you, over our own sin. Mourning over our own sin. Realizing again, and what you're going to see here is these build on each other. If we recognize that we need God and that we can't do it on our own, suddenly our sinful nature breaks our heart. We can't help but mourn through something like that. I mean, in a way, it's, it's, it's a several-step process, but Jesus, as he's speaking, cuts right to it and just says, I'm going to let you know right now, as you do life, when you mourn over your own sinful nature, you're going to be blessed. And you're going to be comforted in that. And that's what I'm looking for. All those times when I'm going through these circumstances that seem painful, what am I looking for? I'm looking for comfort. I want somebody to tell me, Derek, it's going to be all right. Derek, I know the finances look bad right now, but trust me on this one, you're going to get there. Yeah, I'd love the check to come in the mail. It doesn't always happen that way. There are times when at the factory specifically, we are praying over our finances, thinking that the solution we're looking for is a dump truck. It's got money in it. So far, it hasn't showed up, but God has granted us a new perspective, and we're able to push through that. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I'm looking for that comfort. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Uh, children's church is happening right now, so I can pick on, I think my kids went out, I can pick on my youngest son. I don't know of a better example of being meek than my youngest son. My youngest son, Elijah, is hilarious. Um, he just, he's meek, he's mild, but it, we have this kind of negative thing that comes with meek. Let, let's be real. If somebody were to walk up to you, men especially, and tell you that you were a very meek person, I don't know that that is something that I would take sitting down very well. I, I would want a little bit more bravado in it. I would want a little bit more to puff my chest out about it. I don't understand that. I need, I need to better understand why, why we're talking about meek. Well, interestingly enough, as I, was, as I was contemplating this, this word meek comes up later in Matthew. Only it's got translated a little bit differently, and it's the word gentle. It's, it's when Jesus is riding in on the colt, and, and that word gentle, and suddenly it took a little bit of a different perspective for me. So hold on, hang on. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a, I'm a pushover, and it doesn't necessarily mean that, that I need to be worried about somebody calling me, because frankly, when I'm with my kids, I would like nothing more than to be gentle. I want them to know that dad's hands, although they can do lots of good things, they work hard, and they're kind of rough sometimes, dad's hands are gentle. 
and they can come to me whenever they want. That's the kind of meek that we're talking about here. As a disciple, Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And again, that's counter to what we see sometimes. But that's the key to unlocking a new perspective, this idea of being gentle. And think about how counter that would be everywhere you go. Because so many times right now, wherever we go, what are we told to do? Defend yourself. You have to advocate for yourself, because if you don't advocate for yourself, nobody else will. Yes, there are times you need to advocate for yourself, but there's a lot of times where you can be soft about it, and you can be gentle about it. You can use fewer words sometimes to speak louder volumes to people. That's what being meek is. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, I, I've kind of had this, this thought for a long time that we are people that are, we're an invention. You know, God has created us as his invention, and ultimately what we're looking for is the inventor. Because there's nobody who's going to better understand an invention than the inventor. And if I were to create something, and I'm not an inventor, but if I was creative and I was to make something, none of the rest of you would know how to operate it right away. Right away. It's my thing. I made this. It's my little pet robot. And here's what it does. It does these things. Here's how it works. Here's how it operates. So as people, we've been put on this earth, and we are constantly looking for something. We're constantly looking for something to fill this void that exists in our life. And you see it everywhere you go. You see it in people trying to use relationships. People love relationships. Everybody wants a relationship with that one special person because if I get that one special person, this one special relationship, it'll make everything else in my life fantastic. I love my wife, and she loves me. Our marriage hasn't perfected us. We've got to work on ourselves with God. That's where that starts. It brings us together when we do that, but a relationship isn't going to solve everything for you. That's one example. People try and fill it with drugs. People try and fill it with alcohol. They try and... Power, money, I mean anything. But what does this say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's some strong language there. Hunger and thirst is not just this casual, hey, I pick it up in the morning and I go here. Let's be real. We come from a culture, again, we might be hardworking, we love food. We will do food three times a day without question. I don't care what's going on. Think of your last vacation. I guarantee you that the majority of your vacation is built around eating. It's just kind of what we do. Like, hey, we can wake up and we can eat. And then later, what are you going to do? Oh, we're just going to go here and we're going to go eat. And then tomorrow night, what are you going to do? Let's just go get something to eat. It's that kind of thing. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. So again, it's not this apathetic, I'll pick it up when I want to on Sunday morning, but really going after it, just like you go after food. I love food. Don't get me wrong. You know me. I love food. But they will be filled. And again, that's that kind of filling that's not going to come and go. It's not going to be the, hey, I had my nutritious bar this morning for breakfast, then it's almost 11 o'clock and I'm getting hungry again kind of thing. They're going to be filled. And it's not going to go away very quickly. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You know, I, I have been shown so much mercy in my life. I, I can think of countless examples where I have done some action that required strong, strong discipline. And I was shown mercy. I, uh, I had a job one time. I just got a promotion. And I think I was like third week on the job or so. And I made a decision that day that cost my company roughly $15,000. 
which for this company in perspective was a big deal. And I was petrified. I was so scared. I went to my boss's office. I was like, I don't know what happened. All I could do was apologize uh, because I had done something stupid, and it directly cost him like 15 grand. He was merciful. Told me it was okay. I said, Derek, I picked you to do this job because I know you can do it over the long haul. The fact that you made a mistake now doesn't change any of that for me. That was mercy. I deserve something so much more than that. But he was merciful. And it worked out for me in the long run. And thankfully, I didn't make that same decision again. But blessed are those who are merciful. And again, this is a little bit counter to where we are in life. I did an eight-week uh, adult class downstairs, and we talked a lot about grace. Very similar idea here. Where there's so many times in our life where we just we want to be right. We want to, we, you know, even at the end of a conversation with your spouse or your best friend or, or whomever, if they come around to your side of seeing things, that's nice. But what you're really waiting for is the, all right, you were right. I should have listened to you to begin with. Ah, that's me. Maybe I'm the only one. But, but that's not this. This is something very different. And we want to be shown mercy because at the end of our life, frankly, we're not going to be able to measure up what God wants. It's what we need to be in commune with God. And so we have to have that mercy. And how are we going to get it? By being merciful ourselves. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And here's where God, again, kind of cuts right to the forefront of something. What is God looking for? Purity in heart. We get this backwards an awful lot. And it's, it makes sense because we're people of the exterior. I can't see your heart. I have no idea what's going on in there. But God can. And so what do we do? We judge people based on their exterior. We judge them based on how well they're doing something, how poorly they're doing something, how they dress, how they act, all these kinds of things. God says right away, I want the pure in heart. I want to see what's going on on the inside of you. Get that taken care of first and believe that there'll be an outpouring of good stuff over here but I'm worried about the heart right now. So how do we get a change of perspective? Pursuing purity in heart. It's not easy. I'm not going to pretend that we have it all the time. But you can take captive those thoughts. You can take captive those things that are happening around you and continue to search for truth to gain a more pure heart. And they will see God. This next one's, whoa. Blessed are the peacemakers. This was kind of a, a wacky one for me as I was looking at it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I don't know that we have a whole lot of peacemakers around right now. Whoops. Let me go backwards for you. Sorry. Um, I don't know that we have a whole lot of peacemakers around. And maybe it's just me. I feel like I am acutely aware right now of a whole lot of people who love to breed dissension. Who would do lots of things to prove that I can be a dividing rod in your group, in that group, in whatever. And it's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, it's in schools, it's in churches, it's in politics, it's in the workplace. It's everywhere. It's not, there's not a certain group that's out there who is more guilty than others. It's everywhere. I, I struggle with that notion because 
I'm the kind of person who, who loves to bring people together. I love different folks. I was blessed to grow up on an island that had a gajillion different kinds of people living there. And it gave me a perspective that says, you know what, I like folks that are different from me. I think they're interesting. Um, and so I love bringing people together, but that's hard. And it continues to get harder all the time. I feel like there are people who are so staunch in, I'm here and you're there and I'm not moving, so you better come here. But, but this is saying, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. I want to be called a son of God. I do. That's what I'm living my life for. So, so what's the plan that's in front of me is, is to be a peacemaker. But that's, that's difficult, isn't it? Because there's things that, frankly, we know that we're right and they're wrong. And I'm willing to argue about it. But this is a challenge just from, from where I'm at to you guys, because I, I call you my, my church family. Let's give it a shot. Let's really think about our actions, our words, the ways that we interact with people all the time. Let's see if we can't be a peacemaker in that, rather than dividing. Again, I'm not asking you to set aside any kind of truth. I'm just asking you to think, am I doing this in the context of maintaining peace? I, I just wonder sometimes, as we live in a world that is watching us, and you know the world is watching the church. It's what they do. They can't wait for somebody inside a church to do something stupid so they get everybody to compile on. It's just what happens. But what, ha- what would happen if they were watching and they saw the church leading a charge towards peace? If you go into a university someday, you go somewhere, you're talking to people who are smarter than me, um, you'll hear very often the statement made that the majority of wars in the world are a result of religion. That hurts me. It, it just, it, it does a little bit. I don't know. Because I'm a person who is a part of a religion. Uh, I don't want to be thought of as one of those people who is going to bring about war necessarily. Again, I understand there's some things that are worth fighting for. But what if the overall thing was, you know what is causing most of the peace in the world right now? Those Christians. They're doing something different. They're helping bring people together. Doesn't mean they always agree with what the other person's saying, but there's respect there. There's an element of being a peacemaker. I put these next ones together because they kind of all flow into one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That is hard to hear. I am not at a place in my life right now where I am ready to... to Rejoice and be glad when people insult me, persecute you, say all kinds of things. And I can't understand why Jesus would put that in there. Jesus, help me understand why you're telling me I should rejoice when these bad things are happening to me. Well, my circumstance isn't changing. Jesus, how do you expect me to rejoice? So I come to, I come to a conclusion. Either, either he's just nuts and he's talking off the top of his head about nothing, or Jesus knows something I don't. And he has seen something that I can hope to see one day. And so in his perspective, 
He's saying, if this is happening, you're on the right path. You're on the right track. You're not wavering. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. That's where I'm going. Jesus obviously saw something that I haven't seen, but I hope to see one day. He saw what heaven looks like and says, Derek, no matter what's going on around you, that circumstance that you think you cannot overcome, that reward's coming. Change your perspective. Get your eyes up. Get your eyes off of what's around you. Change what you're looking at. That's what he's offering us. So how do we get there? We just listed off eight different of these things, these supreme blessings that we can get to. And if, if, if you build on them, they start with being humble before the Lord. Recognize that you can't do it on your own. I know it's tough because our whole life we've been built up to say, you know what, if you want to, you can accomplish anything. Sorry. Try saving yourself. It, it's not going to work. After that, be gentle in how you interact with others. Be merciful. Be meek. Think about how your actions are impacting the people around you. By doing that, it helps change your perspective. Search in earnest for truth and never stop seeking righteousness. That's what you should be searching for. I know that we try and find it elsewhere. I know that we see it in our society that people are looking for answers all kinds of different places. And you're going to keep looking until you find it. My challenge is don't become apathetic. Don't just feel like, well, I'm never going to get there, so I'm not going to try anymore. Search in earnest for it. Keep pushing. Keep working at it. Be merciful just as you have been shown mercy. Don't forget that part. Just as you can't save yourself, you are waiting for God's mercy for you. Show that mercy to the people around you. <laughs> I am a I want to be right kind of person too. Don't get me wrong. But let's be merciful. Let's be merciful to everybody we come in contact with. Have a change of heart which leads to outward expression. Start in here. Let's not do it backwards. Let's not worry so much about our exterior first. Let's worry about our heart first. And let's interact with other people based on that too. Let's not worry so much about that person's thing over there, their outward expression. Let's worry about their heart. Let's get to know them. Let's find out what's happening for them and then see that outward expression come down the road. Work hard at being a peace bringer. Where you go, have people know that, you know what? Peace is coming with it. This is not going to be a fight. We don't have to agree. There's going to be peace here. Peace is what we're looking for. Expect pushback when you do these things because it is unusual. And when it happens, remember that there's so much more waiting for you. These are the steps, and they're laid out right here in Matthew chapter 5. And again, I'm not standing here telling you that I figured this out. I'm standing here telling you that I'm on a journey to constantly have my perspective changed. I want to be able to see the world the way God does. I want to see people the way that Jesus does. There's something amazing about our Savior. Every time you read about him in Scripture, people are drawn to him. For one reason or another, either they're super angry at him or they can't get enough of him. 
People are comforted when they're near him. And that's the perspective that I want to have. I want to have that perspective as we go from here. So my challenge to you is this. When the hard circumstances come, try to get your eyes slightly above them. Look past them. Use these steps, these supreme blessings, these supreme promised blessings that Jesus gives us. Use these as the steps to change your perspective. Again, it's not easy. God doesn't guarantee that money is going to come in a dump truck, doesn't guarantee that your health is going to be perfect all the time, doesn't guarantee that you're going to live to 150 or however old you are. None of that. What he does, he says, Derek, I'll give you a different perspective. And when my perspective is different, no matter what gets thrown my way, as frightening as it might be, I'm ready for it. Just as a close, I'm going to read um, this passage from the message. I just like the way that it changes the wording a little bit. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you'll find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you get inside your world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You could be glad when that happens. And give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Let's pray. God, there are a lot of circumstances that are painful. God, I, I wish that I had answers for each one of those for everybody. I wish I had a, a map, God, that said, here's how you can get out of that circumstance and bad things are never going to happen to good people. I, I don't have that. But you gave us something, God. You gave us a way to change our perspective. And somehow if we change our perspective, Lord, then circumstance is just that. It's circumstantial. It changes. Our perspective, though, should never change. We should be focusing on you, Lord. We should be thirsting for you, wanting that truth. We should be gentle, be poor in spirit. We should be willing to take peace with us everywhere we go. When we have that kind of perspective, Lord, then we really can conquer anything. God, I pray that this challenge takes hold. But Lord, I recognize that 
It's not going to unless we take a daily action towards it. So God, thank you for a reminder right now. But I pray, Lord, that reminder will come again and again and again. God, thank you so much for your promise of a new perspective. Amen.